Welcome to the perfect puzzle. We're going to begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to learn your word. We ask you, Father, to guide our learning, to help our learning, to show us in your word, Father, the imprint of your Son and the facts of life, Lord, that we need to get through this life with you as our guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Habakkuk chapter 3. A short book. This is the last chapter in Habakkuk. Or Habakkuk. You know, we go back to chapter 2 and we see the answer that God gave Habakkuk. Uh, it satisfied the prophet. He began to realize that the wicked of every age make choices that are going to guarantee their downfall and misery. Whatever heights the wicked reach, the evil person can never be satisfied. And the course he takes in its pursuit is going to trip him up. The enemies he inevitably makes will treat him as he has treated them. Now, satisfied, Habakkuk is now ready to welcome the coming invasion. We begin in, in verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shagonioth. Shagonioth is a word that has to do with music. Uh, some scholars think it may have been some sort of a musical point used to indicate to the musician the, the way the piece was to be played. Other scholars think it was a, mission, a musical instrument. And we also find this word in the book of the Psalms. The singular form Shagayon is used in the title to Psalm chapter 7. I mean Psalm 7. We know it has to do with music, and Habakkuk's prayer is in Hebrew poetry. It's a song of high praise. And there's been such a change taking place in the life of this prophet. His experience on the watchtower, his patient waiting for an answer from God, have brought him to a place of real faith, and have opened his eyes to something he was not conscious of previously. You know, this chapter is his song. It's a happy song. It is to be played with a stringed instrument, according to the last sentence of this chapter, which says, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Probably a little notation which Habakkuk put there to indicate how this song was to be sung. You know, he may be telling the soloist to get with it. That this was something to be sung with a stringed instrument. And he goes on in verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our, in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. He's got a wonderful song. I don't think it would be offensive to anyone's ears. It's a beautiful prayer. Yeah, well, Lord, I have heard your speech. In other words, God's answered him. God has said, now, Look here, Habakkuk, I want you to stay in your watchtower. I want you to walk by faith. I want you to trust me. You think I'm not doing anything about the sins of my people, but I am. I'm preparing a nation, the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians. And they're going to be used as I use the Assyrians against the northern kingdom of Israel. The Assyrians were the rod of my anger. But when I am through with the Babylonians, <clears throat> I'm going to judge them. And I will judge them on a righteous basis. You know, God's judgment of Babylon was spelled out in chapter 2 in those five woes. 
the great national sins which brought that nation down. You know, God's moving to bring Babylon down. But then God gave Habakkuk a stunning experience. Here in verse 3, he transports the prophet back in time and lets him witness from the divine viewpoint a series of other judgments that were wrought by a holy God. The first image was of God proceeding from Sinai, following the course his people took after receiving the law. God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague was before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. And then the vista changed and Habakkuk saw God reach the tents of Israel that were spread near Midian. He saw the Israelites embracing the women and idols of that land. And Habakkuk saw the terrible plague God sent sweeping through the camp. He saw the, the agony of those who felt the fury of God. Verses 7 through 9. I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. Then Habakkuk was shown a panoramic view of God's cataclysmic judgments from the time of the flood throughout sacred history. In wrath you strode the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. With the vision over now, Habakkuk, who had prayed so lightly for judgment to come, they now is understanding what that judgment's going to mean. You know, he knew the terror, at last, he knows the terror of the angry, holy God. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. That's verses 16 and 17. And this judgment was coming upon him. Habakkuk had looked at the coming judgment from God's viewpoint alone. You know, his concern had been for God's glory, not for men and not for himself. But Habakkuk was a man and now he must face the, the Babylonian terror. We need to picture Habakkuk standing on some mountain trail as he came to this realization. Trembling and overcome, his eyes caught a glimpse of movement above him, maybe. There on a higher crag, the prophet caught a glimpse of a mountain goat. 
which are sure-footed despite their danger up on those heights. And then Habakkuk realized the nature of faith's calling. He too was to walk on the heights, to live only a step from disaster as his nation fell in ruins around him. He goes on to say, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Habakkuk has reached the pinnacle of faith. You know, I was in the valley in chapter 1 and in the tower in chapter 2. Now I'm walking on top of the mountains in chapter 3, declares Habakkuk. You know, God, I, I, I see what you're doing is right, and I approve. It's hard. I don't always understand, but I trust in you. Now I want to contrast, you know, two prophets who struggled with God's will, Jonah and Habakkuk. You know, Jonah ran away from God when he heard what God's going to do. Habakkuk ran to God wondering what God would do. Jonah saw the salvation of God to the Gentiles. Habakkuk saw the sovereignty of God through the Gentiles. Now Jonah's story ends in foolishness as he worries about a gourd. Habakkuk's story ends in faith as he trusts in God. You know, the difference between Habakkuk and Jonah, between you and the person who's despairing, is simply this. Jonah had to learn in the fish. Habakkuk learned in the high tower. So you and I have a choice. God is going to teach us because the just shall live by faith. The question for you is, where do you want your classroom for that teaching to take place? Where do you want to live? Where do you want to learn your lessons about faith? I have a choice. I can either seek the Lord with a determination and expectation in the tower, or I can get tossed around in the storm in the belly of the great whale and of the great fish and wonder, why is my life always going through storms? Why is there always seaweed around my head? Why do I always feel cramped? Why am I always in the dark? You know, the reason people are always in the storm is because they're never in the high tower. And the message here is simple. Habakkuk's problems were greater than Jonah's were. His message was much more difficult. But Habakkuk ends in victory because he learned the secret of seeking God. The Lord wants us to seek his face. He wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to see his vision. And his, you know that no matter what is happening around us. We might be oasis of tranquility and peace that passes understanding. No matter how bad the news might be, he wants us to rejoice in him. He is our strength and our joy. Have you discovered yet that when you seek the Lord about a problem, by the time you're finished talking it over with him, as you worship him, as you spend time with him, you kind of tend to forget what you came for in the first place. 
you know, God's fellowship is so rich. No matter what happens, He is our joy. You know, in seeking Him, we find what we were looking for all along. This has been the perfect puzzle. And this has been the book of Habakkuk. Thank you for listening.